Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit comicweb.com for more information or find us on Facebook and iTunes. So for everyone concerned about a wall, this week's podcast, we just couldn't resist presenting the Inner Sanctum's take on walls. The episode is called The Creeping Wall, and it first aired on January 8th, 1946. out on the floor and lie still. You'll have plenty of company there before we get through with tonight's list of victims. Good gracious, (laughs) Mr. Host. I don't think I'd enjoy that company. Well, they're not very lively, Mary. In fact, you may find them a little uh, stiff at first. But they won't interrupt if you want to talk. (laughs) And you know I do want to talk, Mr. Host. So suppose you go greet your other visitors while I have a little chat with our Lipton listeners. You know, folks, Sometimes when you're trying to describe a thing, you find it's very hard to think of just the right word. But that doesn't apply when you set out to describe Lipton tea. For Lipton is so different from other teas. It, its flavor is so extra special that there's a special word to describe it. Brisk. Yes, brisk is the tea expert's word for full-bodied, tangy flavor. Oh, but then why bother with words when Lipton itself can tell you so much more? You'll taste the difference right away and discover how much Lipton's brisk flavor adds to your enjoyment. Yes, with Lipton's, you get all the goodness nature puts into tea. So for deep-down satisfaction, folks, fill your cup with brisk-flavored Lipton tea. That's a good idea, Mary. And now, friends, if you'll just reach over and switch off those harsh, bright lights, we'll begin our story of The Creeping Wall by Sigmund Miller, starring Irene Wicker in the role of Karen Jeremy. Just let the soothing darkness envelop you like a straitjacket. You'll be surprised how nervous you'll feel. Here's Karen now. Can you think of anything more absurd than being afraid of the walls in your own home? Why I should feel that way, I don't know. My husband, Horace, seems to think it's just a case of nerves. Walls are just made of wood and plaster. Still, they give me a queer feeling... Once while sitting alone and reading, I had an odd sensation that the walls were tilting. I looked up, and sure enough, they were all leaning toward me. I closed my eyes, but when I opened them again, they were all straight again. Oh, it was a horrible experience. But a much worse thing happened to me last night. I was asleep, dreaming that I was sitting in front of my vanity, making myself pretty. I was alone until late at night. Suddenly, I noticed through the vanity mirror that the wall behind me was a little closer. I sat quite still for a moment. 
And I turned round. And it was closer. You have to experience it to know what a dreadful feeling that is. And I heard a crunching sound. The opposite wall also had moved nearer. I screamed. But it was only a whisper. Then all the four walls began to hem me in. They moved nearer and nearer. I could feel the cold of the walls filling the remaining space of the room. I was going to be crushed to death. There was a book of matches on the vanity. I lit a match and held it near the cold walls. They stopped moving. They were afraid of the heat. Then the match went off. The walls began to move again. I lit another match. They stopped. I held it until it drained itself out in my hand. I frantically lit another one. The last, it flared up and then it died out. The walls began to move. They were just inches away now. And one of them touched my hand. Icy cold and dreadful. In an agony of terror, I beat against the walls and I screamed with every breath of life. Karen, 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 what's the matter, dear? Don't let them touch me. Help me, Karen. Stop beating the walls. Karen, what is the matter with you, dear? Oh, dreamy. The walls were closing in on me. I, I had to light matches to stop them. Oh, Horace, it was ghastly. I'll never forget it so long as I live. Well, nightmares are always frightening, dear. You threw the covers off and the room's very cold. That's what probably brought it on. You forget it, darling. The dream won't come back. We talked for a while. And Horace dozed off. But I remained wide awake. I tried to sleep. But I couldn't. I even tried counting sheep. While I was counting... I got a sick feeling the walls were really closing in on me. I continued to count. Fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. The walls were coming closer. I mustn't believe it. It was my imagination. Only in mind. Eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two. I could feel the walls hovering over me. They were moving silently this time. Twenty-three. Twenty-four! Twenty-five! Twenty-six! Karen! Karen! Get some water, quickly! The curtain's are on fire! They were on fire! The flames were creeping up the curtain! Here! Help me pull the curtains down! Here! Here's the water! How did they catch on fire, Horace? Well, there's a book of matches on the floor, Karen. Here's a burnt-out match. Uh, I didn't do it! Oh, believe me, Horace, I... Darling, you haven't been feeling well lately. I think you ought to see Dr. Gustafson. I'm oh, you sure don't that... believe me. I wouldn't do anything like that. I, I, I couldn't. You probably weren't aware of it. Probably nothing serious. <laughs> Dr. Gustafson's a very good man. <laughs> now, 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 Karen. Don't be a baby, darling. All of us get ill sometimes. <laughs> Dr. Gustafson is a little man with sharp eyes. I told him the whole story about the walls and the dream. Tried to be at ease. There was a mirror on his desk, and as I talked, I kept fixing my hair. Hmm. Didn't look so well today. Two new gray hairs that I had to pull out. Kept watching me very closely. All the time asking questions about my youth. I told him everything, even about winning the beauty contest when I was 17. He seemed very interested. Mrs. Jeremy, it seems to me you have an obsession about being beautiful. You're not as young as you used to be. Neither is your appearance. 
That's why you're afraid of close scrutiny. That may account for your fear of close spaces. Went on like that, looking at me as though I were a drab, middle-aged woman. He didn't like me, and I didn't like him. I didn't like the way he spoke to me. The way he watched me. Karen! Put the letter opener down. I, I was just holding it. You'll hurt somebody holding it that way, darling. No harm was meant, I'm sure. The first thing you should do, Mr. Jeremy, is to get larger living quarters. Your wife may be suffering from acute claustrophobia, among other things. I was glad the visit to that horrid little Dr. Gustafson didn't influence Horace at all. He still loved me, told me I was the loveliest woman in all the world. One day he came home in great excitement. Darling, I've got a wonderful surprise for you. I've just bought the famous Meadow Mansion. Oh, Horace, do be careful. <laughs> you must my hair. What is this Meadow Mansion? Well, it belonged to John Aiken. You know, the famous naturalist. Mm-hmm. He was killed for a fellow in an auto accident. It's a huge house, and you won't be troubled by walls ever. Come on now, darling. We have to see the agent and sign lots of papers. We went to the agent's office. Mr. Swanson was his name. A very friendly old man. He kept looking at me all the time he was talking. Mr. Swanson, we'd like to take occupancy of the house right away. I, um, I don't think it's a good idea, Mr. Jeremy. You see, there's still a lot of Mr. Aiken's property in the house, and... Oh, well, we don't mind that. You don't understand. Hmm? It's, uh, specimens Mr. Aiken's left there, uh, animals and snakes. They're waiting to be shipped to the zoo. Well, there's nothing to worry about. They're in cages, aren't they? It'd be very unpleasant if they weren't. I'm scared to death of snakes myself. If we only wait a few more days, they'll all be shipped out. Oh, don't worry about it. We'll leave the animals strictly alone. We've just got to move in right away. Well, the house is so big. I guess you can manage. Uh, here are the keys, and good luck to you both. Meadow Mansion was magnificent. It was big and gracious. The rooms were huge and beautifully decorated. The high ceilings gave you a wonderful feeling of freedom. But the drawing room was loveliest of all. A large prison chandelier hung in the middle of the room, and the walls were paneled halfway up to the ceiling. But most exciting of all, each wooden panel had a darling little mirror set into it. There were easily a hundred such mirrors. Oh, it was very gay. With the images of yourself anywhere in the room. They're all breathtakingly beautiful. Except for a picture on the wall of a very flashy-looking woman called Delilah. Well, darling, how do you like our new home? Oh, it's wonderful, Horace. I love it all. Everything. <laughs> except that picture. Well, you mean Delilah? Well, that's a fine painting, dear, of a very beautiful woman. Well, it... She looks evil to me. <laughs> darling, I do believe you're jealous. You needn't be. She isn't half as pretty as you are. Alice! Alice, answer the door, please. We didn't talk about the picture anymore. Because Mr. Swanson, the agent, came in to see how we were getting on. I left Horace talking to him, and I wandered into the next room. There were a dozen cages standing near the fireplace, ready to be shipped off to the zoo. There were mostly snakes and lizards in the cages. All of them were quite motionless. Except one. It was labeled Bushmaster Venzuela. Very odd name for a reptile. 
carefully ugly. Yet it fascinated me. About four feet long, fat and clumsy looking. Yet it slid round the cage with wonderful grace. Kept moving round and round, trying so hard to get out. It looked at me pleadingly. And then I found my hand on the safety catch. I drew it away in horror. It kept going round and round, four glass walls. Must be maddening to have walls so close they touch you all the time. I remembered what a terrible feeling it was to be frightened of walls. Then suddenly, the snake was in the middle of the floor. Karen, don't move. Good heavens, it's out of the cage. Stand still, Karen. I didn't move. Not one bit. I wasn't frightened. I was only wondering how it had escaped from the cage. The snake lay there in the middle of the floor with its head up, hissing. And it started to move. It slid in a wide circle toward Horace and Mrs. Swanson. It's coming towards me. I've got to get out of here. Don't run. But he didn't listen to Horace. He started running and the snake struck him. It struck him twice in the left. <laughs> then he continued running past me. Then suddenly he fell. Horace picked up a chair. such a beautiful place, I rarely left it. I loved best of all the drawing room. 
There were darling little mirrors in the wooden panels. I could see myself from all sides. It was so much fun. My absurd fear of walls was beginning to fade away. There was only one thing that irritated me. That was the picture of Delilah. I was determined to get rid of it. Karen, stop glaring at that picture. I don't like it, Horace. I wish we'd get rid of it. It's a fine work of art. Why? I don't care. It's an evil picture to me. Karen, look here. You're just jealous of her. You're jealous of any beautiful woman, even if she's only a painting. You... You don't care for me anymore. That is a ridiculous thing to say. You know it's not true. Well, if you really love me, you... You take that picture down off the wall. That picture is staying right where it is. Now, it's for your own good. I'm going out for a walk. And, Karen, I absolutely forbid you to touch that picture. I'm in it. I sat there for quite a while, staring at that picture that was upsetting my life with Horace. He was always kind and gentle with me. For the first time, he'd ever lost his temper. I looked at Delilah. It was a gleam of white teeth between her full lips. She was an abandoned-looking thing. Her long hair cunningly untidy. Her eyes sparkling, black, shameless. She seemed to be laughing at me. I made up my mind. Horace would understand. I got a knife from the kitchen. And I pulled a chair over to the picture. And I stood up on the chair. Then began to slice down the length of the picture. Mr. Gerald. What are you doing? It's no business of yours. Go away, Alice. Oh, you mustn't do that. Mr. Jeremy will be angry. I told you it's none of your business. Please. Please come down off that chair. You're destroying a beautiful painting. You meddling little fool. I'll teach you to interfere. <gasps> Mrs. Jeremy. I've put up with you for a long time. Nobody's ever dared to slap me. You, you vicious, miserable hag. That's what you are, a hag. For years I've pampered you. I've always told you how beautiful you were, how lovely you looked. Well, maybe you were beautiful once, but now you're just a self-centered, haggard old woman. But just look at your face. You're... <laughs> she was lying on the floor. Silent. Bleeding. I didn't stab her. It wasn't me. It couldn't be me. I wouldn't do such a thing. I looked at myself in the paneled mirror. I looked pale. My hair was all untidy. And I thought of Horace. He would never believe I didn't do it. He'd look at me in that piercing, sad way. No. No, he mustn't see the body. I must hide it before he gets back. I dragged her over to the closet. Then I hid her body in the corner. I locked the door with a key. There was blood on my hand. I don't know how it got there. But I had to wash it off. And the knife. It's still in the garbage pail. Blood on the carpet, too. I took a scatter rug and carefully placed it over the spot. And I sat down. I waited for Horace to come home. The room was very queer. The chandelier seemed to be lower. All the walls. They seemed to be closer. I sat there fighting off that old terror. Praying and praying that Horace would come home. As soon as he came, I'd, I'd put my arms around him and never let him go again. Never, never, never let him go. And I heard the door not turning. 
all, Karen. Oh, darling, 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 I'm so sorry. It was all my fault. Please forgive me, Horace. I, I can't bear your being angry with me. Please say you forgive me. That's all right, Karen. I shouldn't have lost my... <laughs> what happened to the painting? It's cut. <laughs> I don't know what came over me. But you see, I, I didn't cut it all. I stopped. It does cut a little. I can repair it. It'll be just as good as new. I'll never do it again. I, I swear I'll never touch it. Well, it's not too badly damaged. I'll get Alice to take it over to the art shop. Maybe they can repair it. Oh, Alice isn't here. She's, she's, she's gone to get get your blue cloak from, from the tailors. Karen, that is not true. Alice got that coat this morning. Where is she? I, I don't know where she is. Karen, you do know. Where is she? She was here just a little while ago. She, she must have gone out. Alice! Alice! I'm going to find no, her. No, no! Please don't leave me. Please, Horace. Tell me where she is, Karen. I, I, I can't remember. I can't remember anything. Karen, did, did you do anything to her? Oh, no. No, no, nothing. You're not telling me the truth. Something has happened to her and you're hiding it. Now, I'm going to find her. She must be somewhere. No, oh. no. No, she isn't in the house. How do you know she's not here if you don't know where she is? I, I, I didn't mean that. Well, I'm going to look around. I... Blood on the floor near the closet. Yes, I, I, I cut my finger. Closet is locked. Have you the key, Karen? No. No, I don't have it. Karen, give me that key. Pardon me. 
standing up fast and faster because the walls are very close now. I can even feel their coldness. Dish to get your dinner off to a good start. Lipton's noodle soup. 
It has all the homemade goodness and real chickeny flavor your family loves. Lipton's noodle soup is seasoned to perfection, and it's full of tender golden noodles. Hard to prepare? Not a bit. It takes only a few quick minutes from package to soup plate. Economical, too. Costs less and makes lots more than canned soups. So get Lipton's noodle soup mix tomorrow. And don't forget to tune in next Tuesday night for another Inner Sanctum Mystery. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. If you want to have fun being scared, this is the show for you. If a scene of horror brings to mind bad puns, this is the show for you. If people dying by the score in unlikely and macabre ways brings a childish thrill, then Inner Sanctum is the show for you. This anthology horror mystery suspense series ran from 1941 to 1952. While the stories will keep you awake at night, the most memorable part of the show was the creaking door opening and the host of the show, Raymond Edward Johnson, introducing himself as your host, Raymond, and closing each episode with pleasant dreams. At breaks in the story, he would comment on the action with gleeful mayhem. Comments like, looks like she got more than she bargained for, or he always was a head case. His ghoulish sense of humor and bad horror puns punctuated the stories. His influence can be seen in the Crypt Keeper from the various Tales of the Crypts, movies, television shows, and comics, as well as hosts for other anthology shows. When Johnson left the series in 1945, he was replaced by Paul McGrath, who maintained the sense of dark humor, even when paired with the light-hearted sponsor Lipton Tea. So turn off the lights, turn up the radio, and have pleasant dreams. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.